0: Uh, we're all in need of a bit of good news. And finally, we have some. The Foo Fighters are back with a fantastic new album, Medicine at Midnight. It's an honour to be joined by Dave Grohl on the show. Dave, good to have you on board. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. How are you? It's good to talk to you.
0: i oh, we're doing all right. Uh, well, one of the things uh, that kind of falters a little bit during lockdown is uh, the stuff you wear around the house. You start off smart and then uh, nearly a year on, you get, things start to fall apart a little bit. You end up in tracky bottoms and walking around with rugs on you just to keep warm. Uh, how have you maintained your... Uh, Groll chic during the course of lockdown being trapped at home?
1: Okay, first of all, when we when we got on this Zoom call, the first thing I wanted to mention was my handsome shirt that I'm wearing and then my fucking sweatpants. <laughs> 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 and, I and my slippers. I got them on. Amazing. You know, so I'm like, yeah, from the waist up, I look like I should be here. From the waist down, I'm still in bed. I love that. You know, <laughs> that that's kinda, but I mean, it, that's one of the things is that you know, in in this time at home, I feel like <laughs> I feel like people are, are changing yeah. and um, in some good ways, you know, like it, it be having to face this sort of challenge and adapt to stuff. You know, you just you, you wind up kind of becoming a person that you might not have been beforehand. And when it comes to like creative types and music, um, you know, I know a lot of musicians have c- considered this a really prolific time where people are are like they think okay well no one's watching so i'm going to do something weird so i i feel like one of the you know one of the results or the response to all this time away is going to be some really weird music next year. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's gonna get weird. And I'm looking forward to it.
2: So the writing and recording of of Medicine at Midnight is was was that time wise, was that something that was was, was done at home or, or was that uh, pre everything that's going on right now? Because like Bush and I are having to do the radio show from home and, and working from home is so hard with with the distractions. Is is Dave Grohl an easily distracted man? It depends. In the kitchen
1: no in the
2: studio no everywhere else i'm a total
1: mess i mean i don't know when add was like discovered but i've had it since i was two years old like there's no question you know but um you know i mean i started writing this record like two years ago i started and i had this idea that you know knowing 2020 was going to be the best year of our career. Oh, yeah. And it's our 25th anniversary and 10th album. I was like, okay, I want to make like, I want to make a party record. Like if we're going to go out and celebrate this thing, let's do it right. Like let's put some groove into the record. Let's make these like huge melodies and big guitars because, but when we get to those festivals and stadiums, man, those they're going to bounce. <laughs> like they're going to bounce hard. It's going to be great. So I wrote this album with that intention and then we started recording it um like in sort of in the middle of 2019 and i i mean honestly like it was best case scenario we're like yeah. this is gonna be amazing and we recorded it and we finished it and we mixed it we mastered it we got the artwork we got the t-shirts ready to go the trucks were packed with equipment yeah and then they shut off the lights <laughs> and we just kind of had to you know we just had to kind of you know put that on the back burner and and make sure everything was cool at home but over time we started thinking all right wait why do we do this like why do we make music do we make music just to make the stadium bounce no do we make it just so we can go out and sell a bunch of t-shirts no like we do it for ourselves and also to share with you so whether that means you know we're going to do it together at next year's class temporary or are we going to do it you know, are you gonna do it by yourself, you know, with a bottle of gin in your kitchen on a Tuesday night? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. The music is there to be shared. So it it's It's been weird, but I mean, I'm so relieved that we're actually putting out
0: the record. Well, you you can tell just when you're talking about it, the whole process of making an album is something that kind of uh, energizes you. I was reading about how when you made your first album back in, was it 93, 94? You were saying that you burnt off like 100 cassettes to give to friends. And uh, you you went on to say that um, deciding the font to use on the lettering was one of the most exciting (laughs) bits of making the album. So with that in mind, all these years on, Dave, what small, seemingly insignificant bit of making an album do you still love more than you kind of should do, that would surprise people?
1: I mean, you know, like loading the equipment into the room, you know, or yeah. or it, it, this record in particular, we recorded it in a house, we didn't do it in the studio. So, you know, like someone's upstairs doing a guitar track while I'm in the kitchen making chili and then <laughs> Taylor's doing a drum track downstairs while we're thinking of new ways to, you know, make Pop-Tarts delicious. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm in a bathroom doing a vocal next to a toilet. It's, I mean, it's, you know, the experience has a lot to do with it. And I think the atmosphere and the experience uh, influences the ultimate result
0: of the record. Do, do, so, do, do, do but, you miss loading the van? Dave, I'm a big Fugazi fan, and they always made a big thing of being able to load a van amazingly, like this game of Tetris with equipment. Uh, do you miss loading uh, vans? It's,
1: it's funny that you mentioned that because I just finished a new documentary called What Drives Us. Right. And it's all about touring in vans, but not so much the logistics, more like what inspires people to like give up life and jump in some, you know, old van with their friends and travel around starving and sleeping on floors with no guarantee that they'll ever become successful. Ian Mackay is in the documentary, as oh, wow. well as Brian Johnson from ACDC and the guys from Guns N' Roses and Metallica, the Chili Peppers and Saint Vincent and like, but everybody's had this this shared experience, and when you begin that way, you have like you that's your foundation. Yeah. So like you know when I when I step onto a G five to go to a huge festival, I don't look at the silverware and think like I don't like these forks. You know I'm <laughs> like I I think back to you know when I when I ha- when my sleeping bag was wet because I left it out on the rain. And, you know, and I have to find somewhere to put it down and sleep for the night and I haven't eaten in two days. Like those are those early experiences. That's that becomes your perspective and foundation. It's really important. Like, I think it's important to have that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, everything about that process, loading a van, it's like playing Tetris, man. There's only one (laughs) way to do it. And if you don't know how to load the van, don't waste everybody's time trying to (laughs) shove everything in there. You let the guy that knows how to do it, do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Here we are on album launch date. We're talking about a brand new Foo Fighters album. Uh, yeah, in the 10 minutes we've been chatting, uh, very excitedly, you've mentioned twice uh, about cooking. You said uh, you'd never be disturbed in the kitchen. You've said when you were doing the album, uh, you were in another room doing a chili. I think we need to explore <laughs> Dave um, uh, Dave Grohl, the cook. Um, what okay. would you consider to be your signature dish?
1: Well, you know, first of all, I'm a barbecue guy, okay? Right. And, like, and I don't mean like I'll make barbecue for the family. I mean, I cater events for, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding for like, I've cooked for up to seven to 800 people before. I mean, I have these, I have these smokers that are just wood burning smokers. There's no, like, they're not automatic. You shove like logs in there you know and i i have these smokers that look like choo-choo trains you gotta pull them the <laughs> rock so like if my signature disc <laughs> is a texas brisket oh, yeah. or north carolina pulled pork or oh. sort of or a variation of of uh like a, a memphis sort of kansas city rib like wow. i could do a dry rub or a oh. sweet rub but i mean when you cook that stuff the sheer volume of it is like and it takes it takes 12, 18, 20 hours to do. And yeah. that's my thing. But I mean, if I'm just at home alone, man, I'll make you a pesto that'll blow your mind. I'll make you a lasagna oh, that'll like, yes. freak you out. I, I mean I I I'm good in the kitchen, dude. I could do this. We you know, need like, to get ourselves oh. down
0: to uh Groll's bar and grill. It sounds fantastic down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, going back to the, the records, uh, I'm right. In saying that your daughter Violet sings backing vocals on the album. That's an amazing thing. My eldest daughter Erin, who's 11, is totally non-plus with what I do at the moment. Not remotely, not remotely interested. What were your dad tactics in getting your daughter to take an interest in your job, Dave?
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When my daughter was maybe like five, five years old, she was in preschool, and they had this. Uh, they had this day. It was like, um, you know, bring your dad to school day and have them tell everybody what you do so violet said she said um will you come to uh to to school and and like share with everyone your job i was like yeah sure so i thought okay how am i gonna do this so i grabbed a couple grammys i got a bunch of laminates oh, yeah. i got some drumsticks and i thought okay so the kids were sitting in front of me and i'm sitting in a chair like a rocking chair in front of all these little kids and i'm like okay hi I'm Violet's dad. My name's Dave and I'm a musician. Uh, so what I do for a living is I play music and I go out and I, I you know, perform and stuff. And, and if you're really good, you'll get one of these. And I pass the Grammy around oh, wow. and I'm like, oh, wow. And I'm like, I play the drums and I hand the sticks and I hand them the lanyards. I'm like, these are backstage passes. This is what you need to go, all this stuff. So um, later on that night, one of my friends, whose daughter is also in the class, told her parents, Violet's daddy came to school today and explained what he does. And my friend said, uh, well, what does is, what is Violet's daddy do for a living?
2: And the kid said, he's a magician. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are many, many fans that would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, in one ear, out the other. I mean, you know, look,
1: like, here's the thing is, you know, my, my kids, you know, they've, they've grown up on the road with me. Yeah. You know, they, like they've seen the sausage made. they don't they don't just like turn on you know YouTube or MTV or something and think that's music. I mean, they know like they know the road crew are a bunch of pirates, you know, <laughs> they know that, that that the backstage rider is full of stuff that like will never touch, you know, they, they like they, they kind of know how it works. So I think that they um, they appreciate uh, when they stand on the side of the stage and one hundred thousand people sing along to a song yeah uh, with me and the band. Like they know that that's special, um, but everything else. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, all right, you're going to work. All right. Uh, would well, do me a favor on the way home. We pick up some you know chocolate bars or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. they don't they don't think of it like most people would. But they've also had these incredible experiences. Like I remember I used to when my when Violet was maybe like five, six years old, I used to play the prodigy song World's on Fire. And I'd say, hey, dance to this. And she would lose her mind. She'd just like bounce around (laughs) dancing. And then we played with the prodigy uh, at Reading one year. She was maybe five or six years old. And I said, wait till you see what happens when they do this in front of people. (laughs) And we were standing on the side of the stage. Of course, first song, World's on Fire. Wow. 100,000 people. And I remember as the song started to kick in, I tapped her shoulder. She had her little headphones on. And I said, don't look at the band, look out there. And I, and I mean, just to see her, I get the chills thinking yeah, about it, yeah, just to amazing. see her jaw drop, man. That's, I mean, those are the, the experiences that I think they hold very dear.
2: <laughs> Dave, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we're going to play <laughs> Waiting on a War that uh, you're going to play for us during our hometown show, which is another amazing track. Um, thank you so much uh, for the time, for talking about it. And we're loving medicine at midnight. Thanks, man.